Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. Welcome to the 20th episode of the FPL Wire, powered by DreamSet Go. We are recording ahead of Game Week 21. I'm your host, Zofa, and I'm joined, as always, by Twitter's stats guru, Big Man Bucker. How's it going, bro? Yeah, thanks for having me on Zoff. Um, it was a decent game week for, for me. I um, uh, At the moment, I'm on 54 points. Gundogan doing the bulk of the work for me. Other than that, I had Watkins, who did well, unfortunately. And I know you're going to give me a lot of uh, flack about this. I had Suchek on my bench. But um, the pain was eased by the Cancelo 17-pointer coming in. Um, that that very night so i like i'm i'm very happy with the way things are going and i i own son salah robertson heading into tonight so hopefully more points to follow fantastic and we also have my co-host late riser back with us he's been on the mend how's it going a lot remember uh, episode one when we just started this pod and you spoke about how it was an emotional time for you with sterling last mm-hmm. season mm-hmm I think I've found my emotional guy this season. It has to be Timo Werner. Three games, he's not started any of them. I thought uh, your new manager would finally, finally start him this game week. That didn't happen either. So, yeah, it's it's been one painful week after another. But the good thing is uh, that uh, the next game week is not very far away. It's two days away. And after a night's disappointment, uh, you're filled with hope again in this game. I'm on 41 points. Minus four uh, with Son and Salah to go. Happy with my transfer. I got Cancelo in and I'm on Triple City defense, which came through. So quite uh, happy with that. Uh, but I hear you're flying in the FPL worlds of monster yep. score for you. Thanks. But before we get into FPL, how do you feel about Frank Lampard not being with the club anymore? I thought I'd ask you that. I'm gutted that he's gone, but I'm confident he will be back at some time again in the future. With Chelsea? Yes, definitely. In my lifetime, I will see him again as Chelsea manager, I'm confident. 
uh, any any problems with how Roman has dealt with this uh, entire situation? I've been reading up a fair bit in terms of how you know he's been left to uh, made to leave the club and all of that, and it feels like he was on the chopping block since day one. Uh, it was I, I feel like it was an appointment just to handle that one year where you guys had a transfer ban. It was a pure PR play, in my opinion. Do you also see it that way? I mean, the one thing I have to say is that ultimately I trust whatever Roman does. He's taken the club from obscurity to where it is. So if he's doing something, I trust it's for the right reasons. Whether it's for a PR play or not, it's not for me to comment on. Ultimately, I support Chelsea and will continue to support Chelsea, whoever the manager is. All right. All right. Fence sitting from so far there. I mean, come on, you have to call Roman out there. You have to call Roman out there, but fair enough. I mean, and especially when it comes to Lampard, somebody who idol. I thought it was harsh. I personally thought... Definitely. Uh, I thought it was harsh. But ultimately, I have to look at it that it was probably taken with the best interests of the club in mind. Fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, so FPL flying, I think, 70-odd something this week. How's, how's the week been for yeah, you? It's been great so far. 71 points with two to go. Suchek, Gundogan and Cancelo delivered big. And my favourite player, Harry Maguire, finally got on the score sheet. So that was nice. Just inside the top 50k right now. I'm hoping Kane doesn't put a big dent in it. Yep, yep. I, I remember we were talking about your potential uh, moves. And uh, you were... On day one, you were on Foden. And then the next day, you're thinking <clears throat> switched. And you moved towards Gundogan. What, what happened in that one-day interim period? And what made you switch? Because it was a close call for you, I remember. It did, I but I... Him. I <laughs> right. So the, I think what did what did Bakar say? Yeah, let Bakar. What did you say, Bakar? Let's. Yeah, I'm, I'm just messing. I'm just messing. I was I was in fact the one who was actually confused between uh, which city mid to go and actually Zoff encouraged me to take a hit to bring Gundogan in. So I'm just messing with him. <laughs> yeah. So I think my inner Dalad prevailed. Ultimately, I looked at how close all the fixtures were. I wanted to, like you know with the possibility of a double game week in 24. I wanted somebody who was going to play. All the minutes and and I generally get anxiety from sweating on team sheets, so I didn't want to go through that. Nice, nice, nice. Keep it going, keep it going. Ten k inside very soon. Where are you ranked right now? Of a forty nine k. Nice, nice. Shouldn't be, shouldn't be too long. Shouldn't be too long. Okay. I'm so excited to be chatting with you guys. I mean, last week was so bad. I was on the bed doing nothing but watching TV for five days because I couldn't do anything else. This just feels nice. Happy to be back. Happy yep. to be chatting with you guys. Yep. Great to have you back. So just a reminder to everyone to like and subscribe as usual. And before we kick off, a quick word about our sponsors. Dreamset Go is a global portal for fans to gain access to sporting events around the world. Accommodation, flight tickets, hospitality, stadium visits. Everything can be tailored exactly to your requirements. They also do celebrity experiences, which include masterclasses with your favorite sports celebrity or something as simple as birthday shoutouts. You can find links to the products in the description below. The FPL Wire is a part of the Fantasy Scout Network and all stats used in this podcast are taken from the FFS members area. Please sign up if you haven't already. And as you guys already know, Dreamset goes in the midst of tying up with a lot of football clubs at the moment. They have some exciting offers lined up. So in case you want access to these early bird offers, there's a Google form in the link. Please, in, in the de- link details, there's a Google form link in the details below. Kindly fill that up so you get all the necessary information. Just uh, taking you guys through the agenda today, Barker's got some three excellent stats for us. So we're going to be starting with those and discussing uh, 
uh, those stats. We're going to be talking about mid-price midfielders. I think there's a little bit of a debate between who to go for. There's the Leicester boys, there's Grealish. Uh, so yeah, we'll be talking mid-price midfielders. We're going to be discussing Chelsea's new manager. Uh, Zofar has been doing some reading on him and... Uh, uh, we'll see what he has to say about him, what to expect in terms of Chelsea, etc. We, we're going to be looking at Everton, who have a nice run of fixtures right now and whether there are any options there. We're going to be up talking about strikers, especially because there's a few looking to sell Bamford. Uh, so we'll be addressing that. After that, we have your hot fixtures, your captaincies, our teams, and the Q&A. Bakar, the floor is yours. All right. So, um, as always, I have three stats for our viewers and listeners. Uh, the first one I have this week is regarding Leeds and, and Bamford. So I, I noticed um, a drop in, in their numbers, which, uh, which kind of compelled me to run a couple of comparisons on, on Leeds and Bamford. So the first uh, comparison I do on Leeds is from game week 1 to 15, where I run a comparison on their numbers from game week 1 to 15, and I compare them to their numbers from uh, game week 16 to 20. Uh, so for shots inside the box per game, um, Leeds were averaging 10.6 in game week 1 to 15, which was first in the league during that spell, compared to 7.5 shots in the game uh, from game week 16 to 20, which was 11th in the league um, during that spell. So basically for shots inside the box per game, they dropped from first to 11th. Similarly, for big chances per game, they uh, dropped from 7th to 18th. They were uh, initially averaging 7th uh, for big chances per game in uh, game week 1 to 15. But uh, from game week 16 to 20, that number actually more than half to 0.75. Uh, for average XG per game, Leeds were second, having an average XG of 1.7 in game week 1 to 15. But then they dropped um, from uh, second in the league to 15th for average XG. Uh, and from uh, game week 16 to 20, they had an average XG per game of just 0.8. So they halved their average XG as well. Um, similar trends can be seen for Bamford, and I run a very similar comparison for Bamford, and I um, compare him to some of the other forwards in the game. So for shots inside the box per game, he was um, averaging 3.27 from game week 1 to 15, which slumped to 2.25 from game week 16 to 20. Uh, he was first for um, shots inside the box from game week 1 to 15, and that, uh, and that ranking dropped to fifth from game week 16 to 20. Uh, for big chances per game, similarly, a similar trend was uh, followed as, uh, as I mentioned about Leeds earlier. Uh, Bamford more than halved his big chances per game from 1.1 to 0.5. So he dropped from third amongst forwards to eighth amongst forwards. Um, for average XG per game, he dropped from 0.7 to 0.2. Uh, he had an average XG, um, which was actually second best amongst forwards uh, from gaming 1 to 15, but that dropped to 13th. Um, from gaming 16 to 20. Um, so as you can see, the, 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 the trends are similar. And, and, and despite the fact that Leeds won this week and very recently they scored five against West Brom, I, I noticed that their numbers have been declining. Um, this could be as a result of exhaustion or because of teams adapting to their play style. I, it's actually hard to pinpoint what's, what's going on, but there's definitely something wrong with Leeds' uh, attack at the moment. It, hasn't, it isn't as free-flowing as, as it was early in the season. Uh, do you guys have anything to add on this? Yeah, and also one thing 
that you see when it comes to something like this is fixtures dictate form which isn't the case here because in the last five where you notice that dip in numbers for leads they face burnley they face west prom they face spurs they face brighton and they face newcastle so these aren't exactly particularly tough fixtures you know where you'd see okay no it's because of the fixtures that this dip in form happened so yeah it does look a little dicey for leads at the moment and i don't blame uh a lot of managers looking to get off Bamford at the moment it shouldn't be a priority transfer because like you mentioned he's 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 still got decent numbers and he's not exactly particularly expensive and he's still fifth for shots in the box per game i was actually just looking at the xg numbers for the last four matches and he's not even in the top 30 in the league so that's that's quite drastic uh, and this this is all attackers so it's uh, midfielders as well as forwards so Yeah, I don't blame managers if they're looking to get rid of Bamford, especially because I think there are a few exciting options emerging. I agree with you, and the, but only caveat is you have to remember he's on a he's on penalties, so that's something you just didn't mention. But it is worrying, and I think the last two games in particular, I think he's had one shot in total. And the thing, as we know, with Bamford, right, he's not a clinical shooter. He needs the volume. If he's not getting the volume, we won't expect him to be like putting away a lot of chances. So. is something worth considering definitely and the early substitution is something that rang alarm bells in my head as well because you see yeah. earlier on in the season that wasn't happening he was one of the few guys that was playing 90 minutes week in week out so bielsa maybe also seeing something over there maybe he's carrying an injury or what it is we don't know but I, but bamford is certainly on the chopping block for me Yeah, he doesn't even look very sharp on the eye test either at the moment. That's what I feel like when it comes to most players, uh, if somebody doesn't have three city at the moment, I think that's where they're going to be spending their transfers. And if somebody is getting already has three city in play, then I think people are looking to shift the striker spot. You know what? What what caught my eye was the fact that um, prior to the goal, um, they they conceded in, to Newcastle and they were actually level. So it's not even that he was being rested or something. They were level and, and Leeds had to find a goal. So. um so for bielsa to take bamford off was was quite a surprise i i wasn't expecting that to happen particularly once newcastle scored okay okay good point good point All right, I, so i don't think his position is under threat though i don't think they have anybody else i don't think uh, rodrigo is an out and out striker in terms of what he's offering with the team uh so i i don't think his position is quite under threat but yeah, the other numbers are what about his upcoming fixtures what are they like I have the fixture ticker. They're mixed. They're mixed. The mixed, right? They've That's got Leicester away, Everton at home, Crystal Palace at home, Arsenal away. I think in three of those four teams, they didn't score in the reverse fixture, right? I think I remember Bamford didn't score against Leicester, didn't score against Arsenal, didn't score against Everton. I think Palace yeah. he had that one goal which he scored. So, so yeah, whatever you can read oh. from that. Also, there's just another additional piece of information. Uh, I mean, their last home game was on an absolutely atrocious pitch, but now they do have a new pitch laid out uh, at Allen Road. So uh, maybe that will help them play some free-flowing football because the last pitch wasn't really good and helped Leeds. You can move on. All right. Marcus. So, so moving on, uh, the next comparison I have. Um, For you is is uh, between the city midfielders. I ran a comparison between them from game week thirteen to twenty to assess the level which they're playing at. Uh, so the four uh, city mids I um, compare are Gundogan, Foden, Bernardo, and Sterling. Um, so for minutes per chance created, Gundogan is forty six, Foden is twenty six, Bernardo is fifty seven, Sterling is fifty one. 
So clearly for creativity, you can see that Foden is, is uh, outstarting the other uh, three city midfielders. For minutes per shots inside the box, Gundogan is 38, Foden is 32, Bernardo is 81, and Sterling is 41. So what surprises me here is that Gundogan actually has a better minutes per shot inside the box ratio uh, compared to even Sterling over the past seven matches, which is not something normally you associate with them, with, with him in particular. Um, for minutes per big chance, Gundogan is 92, Foden is 208, Bernardo is 285, Sterling is 124. Another thing to notice while I uh, make this comparison is that uh, for, uh, Sterling actually took a penalty, which is which has kind of inflated his minutes per big chance stats. So if you don't take that into account, then Gundogan's stats would even be better. Uh, for minutes per expected involvement, Gundogan is 149, Foden is 179. Uh, Bernardo is 278 and Sterling is 122. So Sterling has the best minutes per expected involvement. Um, so yeah, so so what I read from this is that Gundogan is is more or less matching Sterling over recent times, which is uh, absolutely incredible given that he's um, half the price. I think both Gundogan and Sterling have the edge over Foden and Bernardo in terms of uh, you know sheer uh, underlying numbers. Particularly, but why do you say that? Works, right? I mean, underlying numbers for Foden are better than Gundogan for based creativity. On the num- for creativity. And for shots in the box, Foden's 32 minutes per shot. Yeah, in the but box. but like I think minutes per big chance is, is the big one for me because mm. uh, like Gundogan is averaging um, twice as many big chances as Foden, which which is something which uh, which I like. And the fact that I I don't really trust Foden personally because he seems like someone who can get dropped after one bad game. I'm sure he'll play the the game at the weekend uh, against Sheffield United because uh, he got taken off earlier, but. Um, but I, I won't be surprised if he got benched randomly here and there. I, I think Gundogan is, is fairly secure uh, for a while. And um, Pence. And Pence, yeah. That's yeah. that's a big thing in the absence of De Bruyne and Aguero. Uh, having said all of this, I still think in isolation, uh, Sterling is the best option in terms of sheer explosiveness. Uh, because I, I still think he carries the greatest amount of uh, goal threat of all Man City players. Um, even in the game against West Brom, he accumulated the highest number of shots inside the box. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, has the best minutes per expected involvement. But like Sterling seems like the most explosive option. But um, like I won't be too surprised if Gundogan came close to matching him, given his numbers as well. And in terms of game time, I think Gundogan is probably safer because what those substitutions said to me that he initially took off Bernardo. For, no, he uh, took off Foden and Gundogan. Foden and Gundogan. He took off Bernardo right after that, right? Yeah. So that sort of showed to me these are the three players he wanted to wrap in cotton wool. He left Sterling on for 90 minutes, maybe because he feels he's fit enough. I don't know. That could be the case. But I think these are the three players who he looks as essential for his next game. Correct. Correct. Also, the, the numbers for Sterling in terms of his goal threat absolutely makes sense again because we discussed this a few pods ago in terms of whichever attacker is playing on the side of Cancelo. He's, I've noticed that Sterling is more wider than normal when he's playing on that right hand side so that that thing makes sense in terms of the numbers but let's just uh in everything apart you know numbers apart just looking and watching at Gundigan play that performance against West Brom was something else not just his two goals like every touch he took every pass he made his pressing his energy his spatial awareness I thought that's one of the best performance I know it was West Brom but that was one of the best performances I've seen by a midfielder in a while he was just so good and I mean, I, I I don't think it's wrong to say that he's actually a better finisher 
than De Bruyne com- considering Without what we've seen from Absolutely. considering what we've seen from Kevin this season all his goals if you look at all the Gundogan goals that i remember a lot of them are absolute beauties like he's not taking them from very close except for the couple that Sterling assisted at the beginning of his run but uh, the last uh, three or four goals beautiful beautiful goals he's he's in the form of his life right now uh, just a word to the guys that trusted uh, Foden though i mean uh, i think when it comes to Foden and Gundogan uh, the only problem that there exists with Foden is that he's not as nailed as Gundogan but uh, i think on another day uh, Foden braces and Gundogan doesn't so don't just look at the result i mean the numbers dictate that they are pretty close in terms of creativity and goal threat together so if you punted on Foden i'd say hold some patience especially because he was rested uh, i mean he was subbed off early in the previous game that's what i wanted to add agree okay. his finishing is is absolutely exquisite you, you notice that you know, he he often doesn't hit uh, hits his uh, shots with a lot of power they're just timed and they're they're placed to absolute perfection i think he reads the minds of the keepers and the he sort of goes the other way it's absolutely beautiful nice goal right opposite of kevin right kevin you can just tell every time he's winding up to just leather the ball in Yeah. Exactly. Also, also worth taking in, uh, you know, for people, and this might come into play. I think four or five uh, game weeks later, City have had a good run of fixtures, so they do get a lot more chances than expected. The City, the defenses that they've faced in the past few weeks, they've faced Newcastle at home, they've faced Brighton at home, they've faced Crystal Palace at home, they've faced uh, Villa at home, and they've faced West Brom away. So, except for Villa, I think most of these are obliging defenses as well. So, and fixtures do breed form. they create the shout out to uh, Luke Disabel because he pointed this out on twitter and the fixtures do toughen for city in two or three game weeks time he offers fabulous value at the moment for just something you should do in case of in terms of tempering your expectations with uh, gundogan in the future fair so um the last ad i have for you is regarding the brighton defense at home um a lot of people this week are are going to be considering son and kane for captaincy so this stat is particularly relevant to to them uh i noticed that brighton at home have been posting stellar defensive numbers all season um their expected tally of goals conceded at home of 8.9 is actually some way off their actual tally of goals conceded which is 15 um and this variance of 6.1 between expected and actual output is actually you know the second worst for underperformance at home in the league uh so i look more uh, into detail to to find the reasoning behind their underperformance at home because their numbers have been great um and i think that a large part of this can actually be attributed to matt ryan who who has a variance of actually minus 4 um between expected and actual goals conceded at home which is uh among the top 3 worst keepers in the league in terms of underperformance uh however with sanchez in in goal now i think brighton are looking more assured at the back which will make it tough for spurs in my opinion um i noticed that spurs are not even in the top 10 for xg away from home uh personally i think they will have a tough time coming up against brighton who are second only to man city for xg conceded um xg non penalty conceded and big chances conceded at home in the league um knowing son kane's pedigree they can they could very well you know not share particularly son given his away uh, statistics but i i won't recommend them for captaincy this week as i personally feel that based on brighton's home defensive stats their ceiling looks a bit limited hmm interesting but don't you think brighton, to- sorry go ahead 
No, so go on. I was just saying Brighton. I don't know. I think a lot we we are potting right now before the Spurs Liverpool game, right? And I think a lot depends on momentum. If Spurs win today, I think they can carry that momentum into that Brighton fixture. So with me, Brighton. So first of all, all their defenders they have that one brain fart. in them where there's always this one moment where they switch off and which is why they concede did you see the highlights for the uh, brighton fulham game by the way brighton completely dominated fulham and should have won by two or three goals in that match i don't know how they didn't win but the thing that comes to me when i look at brighton and especially when brighton play against big teams is that because they like to impose themselves in the game i mentioned that's quite a few times before they tend to open gaps at the back and i feel like their playstyle plays into spurs's hands in terms of how spurs like to set up sit deep soak up the pressure and then counter and brighton are exactly the kind of team that can play into spurs's hands which is why i don't think it's a very bad shout for captaincy i was actually just i was quite uh, enamored by this and i looked into the number of goals they've conceded against good attacks now in in this season they've conceded three goals to chelsea they've scored conceded one goal only to spurs they've conceded three to united four to everton One to Liverpool, three to Leicester, and one to City. So on an average, they concede two point two goals against decent opposition, which isn't a very bad shout. So I feel like if a good team shows up against them, th- there there could be goals in the game in terms of how much they concede. Mm. I'm I'm sort of with you on that. Yeah, I think I think good teams can take advantage of them, but they're in good form at the moment. Two clean sheets, back to back, and they didn't give Fulham too much. I mean, the XG numbers for that game were two to zero point five, or something of that sort. Should have taken that game. You point some. Uh, you pointed out some good numbers for um, for Brighton um, against top attacks, but but how many of these games were were actually at home? Does that make much of a difference, home and away? I think so. Now? Yeah, because their their away stats aren't as good at home. They're actually very good. I I do give a lot of weightage to these uh, stats, home and away. I think they matter. I look into it and I'll tweet about it because I haven't looked at the home and away stats at the moment. It's just how I see Brighton and what comes to my mind when I see them playing a game. That's all. I don't think Son's a bad shot for captaincy this week. Hmm. Very honestly. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Knowing his pedigree, he can very, very well score. I mean, it's it won't be a big, big surprise. Yeah. And and he's due, right? I mean, he's top four big chances missed uh, in the last four in the league. I think six big. Chances missed, so he's done his bit in, when it comes to evening up his XG score for the season. I think, for sure, right. So before we uh, move, Zoff, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. One last thing on this uh-huh. is I was just looking at the away stats for Brighton. They're actually twelfth for XG conceded away from home and second best at home. So just just another point I'd, I'd like to make there. Interesting, but just another counter argument I'd like to make for that. I think at home they might set up more offensively. Like I mean, if they were with a crowd, at least that's what they would do, right? At, naturally, teams at home tend to attack more. But I don't know. Without crowds, they might set up into a similar way, because like you said, the the Spurs game, which is the reverse fixture, was decided by that Kane penalty, which was a BS one, right? Where he Kane literally jumped over Lallana to yeah, win yeah, the yeah. penalty. Remember so, that game? Uh, yeah, yeah Lamptey scored. I remember that quite well. <laughs> so yeah, you never know. But I still think it. I think a lot depends on how the game goes today. How well they sure. do against Liverpool, right? So before we move on to the next section, guys, as you know, we have recently started a Patreon page. At patreon.com forward slash the FPL wire, our work continues to be free, and this is just if you want to support us. We wanted to give a shout out to our newest patrons, Robert Kavanagh in the Jimmy tier and Rohit Matetti in the Oma tier. Thank you guys for your support. 
Thank you, guys. Thank you. We appreciate the support. Thank you. Thank you for the support. Right. Now let's move on to the mid-price mids. We have a table here, Zoff, I think. Uh, yep. Let's just walk through the table. Now we have restricted this to midfielders at 8.5 and under. This is sorted by XGI, expected goal involvement for the last four matches. Do, do we want to look at the 5.5 bracket or do we want to look at the 7 million bracket? Because I, I personally think there are a few uh, looking at... Like, I think there are four or five midfielders in conversation that people are looking at right now. Uh, and that's that's Madison, that's Barnes, that's Grealish, there's Zaha, and there's James Rodriguez. I think people are assessing. Do you want to touch upon the budget ones as well? I mean, they come under this, right? They're included in this 8.5 and under. So, they, if they, I'm looking at purely in terms of numbers over here, if they're not in terms of price. So, Saka right. comes out on top with 2.84 XGI. Harvey Barnes, 2.41. Trezeguet 2.27, but this is from his earlier matches. This is last four matches, not game weeks. Pereira 2.21, Gundogan 2.18. <coughs> He's on the city mid up there. Trossard 2.03, Grealish, Suchek, and Zaha, rounding it off. So, like you said, a few of those mids over there. You have your Pereira there, who's like a five and a half mid. Trossard, your Suchek, Gundogan. So they're all within the same category in terms of output. Yeah, if you had to go for somebody in the 6.5 to 7.5 bracket, which a lot of people are looking for right now, and let's assume that everybody's on three city at the moment, we touched upon city, so let's not look at them. Uh, which which one would you go for out of the names that I mentioned earlier? I think for me, it would be Harvey Barnes. I saw the highlights of that uh, Leicester Everton game and Barnes looked good. I think much more exciting to watch than Madison, many more avenues to points and very unlucky not to come away with a bigger score. Bakar, uh, I'm surprised by the way, Zof. I was totally expecting you to say Grealish. I thought Grealish, Grealish would seven point seven. You said seven point five. In that bracket, uh, if Grealish was a part of the conversation, oh, then then blindly Grealish. Grealish looked Same. electric against Burnley in that new role. He had pulled. He almost scored a goal which was similar to Suns against Burnley. So his numbers so, were out, out insane. I think yesterday he had five chances created, three shots yeah. on target. Ridiculous. Big chance as well. Big chance as well, yep. Bakar? Yeah, same. Uh, it would be no-brainer for me. I, I really like uh, Grealish and Watkins. They're, I think they're, they're offering possibly the best value in the game right now. So that would be no-brainer for me. Uh, even if you're uh, wild-carding in, let's say, three or four game weeks, because it's, it's the fixture play, right? Because there's Newcastle, there's this Leeds and Fulham for Leicester up in their next two. Wouldn't that tempt you for a short-term play before you move to Grealish or would you jump onto Grealish straight up? I, I would jump to Grealish straight away because I think Villa are a team in form and Leicester, I I, I know that Mar, uh, that Barnes uh, looked threatening yesterday but I, I don't really I don't really think that they have um, as many goals in them with without Vardy in the team uh, which is why I won't personally go towards one of their attackers. I'm sure they'll score a couple of goals against Leeds but it's hard to predict because the goals will be shared. I don't really think there's an out and outright goal scorer over there. So I'd rather it's, go towards Grealish, who's the main man in the Villa side. The, the stat that turned my head was Leeds conceded 22 shots. 22 shots to Newcastle. Who concedes 22 <laughs> shots to Newcastle? I was absolutely blown away by that stat. I feel like they're, they're on a downward slump. I mean, they were open and they were like, never mind, I don't want to say anything. I shouldn't. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Newcastle had like almost twice the XG of Leeds in that game, which was like absolutely shocking. Yeah, yeah. We were actually I, lucky to win that one. I've just uh, looked at some uh, 
numbers in terms of because I, I I'm kind of making the decision. I'm in the market for a seven millionish midfielder at the moment, and uh, just in terms of attack fixtures, might you know on paper Aston Villa don't really have uh, fixtures as good as uh, Leicester in the next four. I mean they've got Southampton away, West Ham at home, Arsenal at home, and Brighton away. But Grealish has done really well against this opposition previously. Uh, in Southampton, against Southampton in the reverse fixture, he had one goal and two assists. Uh, Villa scored five. And Southampton, remember, they're without their starting fullbacks at the moment, and uh, they're sixth for shots in the box conceded in the last four as well. So they're not in exactly very good defensive form at the moment. After that, Grealish scored a goal against West Ham in the reverse fixture as well. He got an assist versus Arsenal. Uh, in the reverse fixture, had no returns versus Brighton. So he has done well uh, in in the reverse fixtures. And all of them were in the first 10 game weeks when Barkley was fit, where he's playing in the left-wing role, which he is playing now, now that Barkley's back. So just something I thought I'd point out. Uh, Everton, uh, we won't talk about Everton right now because they're no... Hames, anyone tempted? Newcastle at home and Leeds away. I don't think you get a better pair of fixtures. Uh, but... If I'm going for somebody from Everton, it has to be DCL. Anybody tempted by going back to Hamas? No. I think um, there are too many better picks in midfield and I feel DCL yeah. is more of a talisman from that side. Exactly. Exactly. Besides, I'm not exactly sure about Hamas uh, straight away. I, I'd like to see a bit more before I go there. More on on, on um, Grealish, by the way, that uh, Willa actually accumulated five big chances yesterday against uh, Burnley. I mean, to do that at Turf Moor is, is actually a big achievement because Burnley have actually... At home, they have a watertight defense. It's very hard to go there and post... Uh, you know, numbers like these, five big chances. That just tells me the Villa attack is, is is on a different level this season. They're extremely underpriced. Agree. Uh, so, so for both of y'all, it would be uh, either Grealish or the Leicester boys. And then you guys would have Hamez and uh, Wilfred Zaha. Zaha also has a good run of fixtures. He's got Newcastle and Leeds next. Again, next to same pair of fixtures that Everton have. Again, not tempted by Zaha. Nope. Because he plays for Palace, right, Bakker? <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree with that. Um, Hamas actually might tempt me over the Leicester men's. That's that's actually fifty-fifty for me. I, I'm not so sure I'd go Barnes over Hamas actually, uh, because simply because Everton are facing Newcastle at home and um, and then Leeds away. I, I can see plenty of goals there for Everton, honestly, and. That, I just expect Everton to score more goals than Leicester in the next two, which is why I'd probably go James over someone like Madison or Barnes personally. Um, I was looking I, I at the reverse fixture uh, returns as well. Barnes scored against both his uh, opponents in the reverse fixtures. He scored one against Leeds and he scored one against Fulham as well. And uh, Leeds actually scored four. Sorry, Leicester scored four against Leeds in their previous game. So just... Throwing in some... We'll bring some stats out on Everton later. The Everton attack of late has not been firing. I know that they have players out, but we'll discuss that once we get there. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. But but now they have uh, their players back, so I expect them to you know right. be back on form. Anything else? Both of you are both of are uh, Barnes over Madison at the moment. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I'm I'm confused because I'm normally always a Harvey Barnes guy, and uh, you know if you really try to uh, you know envision the Leicester leads game in your head. Uh, you feel like Harvey Barnes is going to be the one taking advantage because uh, Leeds defense suits people who are running in behind because there's so much space and everything. But Madison, uh, 
just has the quality uh, you know so I, i never actually ever consider madison as a pick but he does look a little more selfish he is he taking is. Uh, he's different this positions season. better he's he's not the madison that was there previous seasons and that's that's something that's uh, you know debate because i'm in i'm i'm i've been looking at jack versus uh, madison versus barnes quite closely because i need a midfielder at the moment uh, and it's it's close it's really close i'm tempted to just play the fixtures because fulham aren't in really good defensive form at the moment as well i think they're in the bottom 5 for shots in the box conceded so the pair of fixtures i'm just looking to play the fixture you 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 boys would still go greenish greenish is head and shoulders above everybody else i was okay. actually reading a a madison interview where he said that he wanted to get more goals and assists this season so i was considering him uh, until last week as well when i actually looked into his stats and i read I, I noticed that he had accumulated just a single big chance and created just one big chance over the season, which was—I mean, those stats are absolutely abysmal. So that kind of turned my head, and that's—I I haven't looked back at him ever since. But well, also, what's happened? What's interesting is I feel like, uh, see, there's no Jamie Vardy right now at the moment, right? And the two games that Perez has played as striker, Perez isn't a Jamie Vardy where he's sitting on the last line of defense and looking to run behind. and he's not mimicking what vardy does as a striker and that's actually led to madison being closer to goal than he is normally i should actually just look at the heat maps we we have a close turnaround time which i which is why i didn't get time to do that but it's something worth uh, monitoring because if, because if he's playing with perez madison is a lot closer to the goal so uh tough decision i reckon i like how we're not even talking about perez even though he's op <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, uh, wouldn't be surprised if uh, Yanacho starts the next game. Yeah, right? yeah. So, yeah. I think we've been trolled enough by Perez last season. Yeah, Perez is somebody you get in the last six game weeks or last last five game weeks of the season because much like PV, he just likes that time of the season and he has a couple of holes in that part of the season. Outside of that, no. Anything else to add here? Should we move on? Uh, just these guys that are playing these teams. I mean, just worth noticing the defenses that are conceding a lot of shots in the box. Uh, West Brom, as expected. Fulham, as expected. Newcastle, as expected. Burnley and Southampton have made their way into the teams conceding the most shots in the box in the last four matches as well. When it comes to just realigning how these defenses are performing at the moment. But Fulham have Ariola, right? Ariola has been ridiculously good. off late so good so good yeah so good. in in terms of uh, variance between uh, expected and actual goals conceded he's actually the best after nick pope this season so he's been immense right nice let's nice. move on now to thomas tuchel is it tuchel or tuchel what what are we calling him i'm calling him chelsea manager let's just keep it easy that way. Well, cool. i'm not sure cool. all right so this this is just a summary we have about him this is from friend of the pod ak's hot topic on fantasy football scouts so just quick notes on tushil he he likes this high press similar i think to what klopp used to do at dortmund high press and counter press he likes positional play with two players fixing at a spot on the flanks he's very dynamic in terms of his formation he changes his formation up according to this opposition he likes usually a 3-2-5 in possession so he's an attacking manager in that sense the slight weakness in defensive transition he will always play a defensive midfielder that will build up play from the back that screams jorginho to me maybe kante if he can like you know play kante like how you sari used to play him werner chilwell and james prospects look really good for fpl pulisic is also a product of tuchel while it remains to be seen how he manages havertz ziek and cho he likes to play passes in behind the defense whether through the middle or from the flanks that screams good potential for werner to me and in general he likes speed movement intensity and discipline 
So if you guys want a more detailed reading of this, check out AK's hot topic on Scout. Anything that you could uh, pick up from the game last night? It's very difficult really because he had literally one training session, right? Just on Tuesday evening to play with the players and Wolves had come with a view to frustrate. They were very clear that they just did not want to concede. What I did like, I liked how close Havertz was playing to the goal. Yeah, I thought he got into some good dangerous position. Chilwell got into the box a few times. He had one very good shot which he blazed over which made me think that Alonso could have some potential. Alonso could be revived because like, you know, there's one fullback you trust in the box. It's Marcos Alonso. So, we could yeah. see him. And Chilwell actually had a fairly poor game. Uh, exactly. Didn't have, a, didn't have a really good game. In terms of the box, Chilwell's crossing is probably better than Alonso. But in terms of being in the box, Alonso is, I think, one of our most lethal guys. So, that could have some play into it. And I think he's going to persist with this two up top. And I think it might benefit Werner as well. Because when he used to play in Germany, he always used to play with another striker, right? Usually a big guy who can hold up the ball. Credit, credit to 3-5 who he gave me this uh, stat. When uh, Aubameyang was playing under Tuchel, uh, he scored 56 goals in 63 games at Dortmund under him. And Werner is a similar mould of a striker in terms of pacey. Maybe not the same level of finisher before everybody jumps at me. But yeah, uh, those those numbers are pretty <laughs> encouraging. Right. Just, just one thing I actually want to add in when it comes to, you know, uh, something that I saw on Twitter was people drawing a lot of conclusions from this one game. Uh, what, what, from what I've read about Tuchel, I'd say that he's uh, changes his uh, formation pretty drastically. Not, not, not drastically, but one or two positions here and there. And he's, he's going to take at least three or four games to figure out uh, what his team is. So I, I don't think I can... Uh, you should read anything from game one or game two or game three. Give it three or four games as a whole to then assess what uh, Tuchel's Chelsea will look like. Right, because you have to keep in mind the games are so close. So he's not, he doesn't even have a week of training. You play Wednesday, then game on Saturday, then game on Tuesday, game again on Saturday. So there's literally no training time whatsoever. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But in general, he does tinker a lot. So, you guys should be careful in terms of jumping into any assets. We don't know who is going to be nailed. He might tailor according to the opposition a lot. That's what he's been known for. So, I think for a while, I would probably stay off Chelsea. See how we do over the next couple of fixtures. And it's always better being late, I think, to the party by a week than turning up and finding out there's no party at all. Keep yeah. telling that. Keep telling that to me because I made that mistake multiple times this season. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But but what's annoying is that the Chelsea actually have a very good run of fixtures coming up. Burnley home this week. So, I mean, it's it's kind of annoying that we actually have uh, to wait before we jump in. Uh, but yeah, overall, I agree with the, almost everything that, that you guys have, have said. Uh, I have noted some stats from the game, but I I, I don't think it's um, it's too wise to read too much. Um, it was a dull, dull game in general. I fell asleep watching. That. Yeah, I, I mean, confess. yeah, uh, but like having said that, that's actually um, you know it, it's Chelsea had the highest amount of possession in the league um, this this week, which was something which which caught my eye. Um, just a single bo- a shot inside the box conceded. So, so let's see if, if these numbers can uh, be, you know, sustained over a long period of, of time. Yeah, One thing that I find interesting, there could be a budget defensive option uh, emerging from Chelsea. Rudiger yeah. is 4.5 million, loves a goal, uh, a goal from a corner. So just something worth looking at if he holds his place in the starting. I feel bad for Zuma and Mount. Though. I mean, they've been two of Chelsea's best performers this season. And I'm mean, not reading too much again into the first game. Hopefully, uh, Mount gets his due. 
there's because the, the, just something in terms of the amount of criticism Mason Mount gets and has been getting this season because he's supposedly limited compared to his uh, fancier uh, colleagues but he's just had a fabulous season and he's he's not looked limited he's looked very creative he's looked uh, very energetic he presses well uh, and some of his passes are really good as well so i'm hoping uh, he isn't unfairly sidelined that's all just another note, I think I read that he likes to work with big squads and I think PSG's squad is probably one that he could compare with Chelsea's in terms of alternatives and size and he chopped and changed according to the opposition. So, there's really, I think, a bit of a minefield and he's very dif- different to Lampard, right? Lampard seemed like very much like an idealist. This guy seems very structured, very technical, very instruction-driven. Like, you know, he's more Sari than he is, I think, Lampard. Not as bad as Sari, I would say. Mm. But it would take three to four games for us to actually figure out who his undroppables are. Right. And I think Timo will eventually be up there, right? Because you have to keep in mind part of the reason Lamps was sacked is he couldn't get the best out of the new recruits. So that has to be sort of a mandate given to him by the board, right? Okay. Okay. Perhaps. All right. right. Let's move on to Everton. So these are so, the stats I was talking about. Sorry, Elad, I'll just go through this real quick. So in terms of big chances over the last four matches, Everton have created only two. Only Palace have created fewer. In terms of shots in the box, they are ranked fourth. They've had just one more shot than Everton. Sorry, not sorry, than West Brom. And that they've had fewer shots in the box than Newcastle. And these guys have been back for a while, right? Like your Hamels and Dean, they've been back, not this, this game, they've been back for a couple of matches now. So I don't know, maybe it's just a hangover from the defensive approach that Ancelotti has employed over the last few games or maybe going forward he is favouring a defensive approach altogether. This made me a bit more cautious about jumping onto DCL right away. I have, uh, I was just reading Tom's article on the scout and there's an excellent stat which uh, stood out to me. Uh, Everton, uh, when Dean, Hamas, Richarlison and DCL start together, They've scored 17 goals in six games. That's 2.83 goals per game when these four have started together. So those are encouraging numbers when it comes to Everton's perspective. Uh, if if somebody was in the market for a striker, I think you have to play the fixtures. You don't get a better pair of fixtures than Newcastle and Leeds. And I'd be very, very surprised if uh, Calvert-Lewin blanks in these fixtures. I think he's number one in terms of forward target for me at the moment. I completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. I just think Everton are a completely different side with uh, with all four of these in the same team. Uh, so, in my opinion, like I um, iterated with um, Antonio um, before the double, I, I don't think that historical numbers uh, matter too much um, because I think with when these guys are playing, Everton are a completely different side. Um, I, I won't read too much into the Leicester game personally because Leicester away from home, they're third best for expected goals conceded in the league. So I didn't expect too much in Calvert doing in, the, in this fixture anyways. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's a, he's a good one to target for, for the fixtures that are coming up because I don't think too many people will be taking the punt anyways, which makes his upside even bigger. Yeah. Just um, based on the numbers that we see on the slide, uh, his last three fixtures were West Ham, Wolves and Leicester. Uh, not really good defense. Uh, not really bad defenses on paper. So just something worth. That's a good point. Yeah. They played good defenses of late. Yeah. And yeah, Dean is interesting. He played a winger last yeah. game. I think if actually interested more in him than DCL. His heat map was off the charts. He's practically playing on the like just outside the box. Yeah. Uh, 
Go on, Bakar. And, and, and he had uh, he accumulated the most number of uh, chances created yesterday as well, Binier. And um, and Rodriguez looks back back to his best as well. In, in the cup game, I noticed that he had eight chances created. I know the opposition was was often inferior level, but still, it's an it was man of the match. Note. It's interesting to note that he had eight chances created, uh, two big chances created, including two assists. So, I mean, that just tells me that uh, Everton are you know they're an explosion waiting to happen sometime soon. What a goal as well. Who knew Hamas had a right-footed goal like that in his locker? His first time, first time he scored from outside of the box with his right foot. Yeah, surprising, surprising. No one would have expected that. I was just talking to a couple of Everton fans as well and what uh, they told me which strikes out is that Godfrey's been really good uh, in that position in which team generally plays. Uh, so if uh, uh, Ancelotti uh, continues with this formation Great punt. Absolutely top-notch punt for the next three or four weeks. Because what also happens is if uh, uh, Ancelotti is playing with his four centre-backs uh, in defence, they are they have looked better defensively as well. So then you get the best of both worlds with Dean. He's, he's, he's averaging an assist every two games this season and now he's out of position as well. So it's just something worth considering. Uh, Ducure didn't play yesterday. I remember reading somewhere that they missed Ducure a lot in midfield. Something to make note, just to take note of. Yeah. And they also wonder, Allen's been out for a long, long time. I have See, no That's what I think the midfield is at least what worries me a little bit. Like, you know, the likes of Dukura and Allen missing, that's what worries me a little bit. But don't forget that they conceded 22 shots to Newcastle. 22 shots to Newcastle. <laughs> that's what leads to. Correct. It's a fixture play. It's absolutely it's a, fixture a fixture play. play. And the fact that the other, you have so many forwards who aren't firing, I think is definitely a good... good place to go. Exactly. He's definitely coming in my team. Right. He, so let's, he's, he's the only yeah, good I, thing that I, happened to my team uh, this season, at the start of the season and, and then going back. Let's move on to forwards. In fact, since we are talking about DCL, let's look at forward numbers for the last four matches. Firmino is on top. He scored zero goals. <laughs> top for attendance. In the... wow. <laughs> and number two, surprisingly, is McBurney. <laughs> so, Firmino and Big Bunny. That shows you where your stats can, you can take your stats from. <laughs> and then you have Giroud, who scored a couple. Watkins actually was unlucky not to score against more against Burnley. He had a good one-on-one chance. I think he's a comeback. Well, he's got two goals in the last two. I think. Antonio, his numbers are great. Bamford's numbers aren't too bad, but I think those are primarily from the West Brom game, right? The West Brom game comes under this sample size. And his shots didn't have a high XG either, just worth pointing out because mm. his XG numbers were pretty poor. Yeah, only three shots on target in the last four matches. Then you have Kane and Lacazette. Lacazette is worth mentioning because he actually tops the table for everybody in the league for non-pen XG in the last four game weeks. So that's yeah. just some something. With the last six games actually. Yeah. yeah. That's actually incredible. His, his numbers are, are, are great and I don't think too many people are looking at him. Um, I guess a, a large uh, part of that is because of the fact that he blanked uh, in in game week 18 uh, was <laughs> it when, had, in, yes. when everyone pre-hitted him and and he he actually blanked so um, so yeah I, I think he's a he's a great option personally but I, I don't think I'd, I'd look at Arsenal assets um, in in the coming weeks I I don't uh, really like their fixtures I think they're hard. Right. Yeah. I think when it comes to the strikers, uh, I think if you're looking at buying a striker, there are four strikers in play at the moment. Antonio, Watkins, uh, DCL and Kane. I think uh, 
this is the ecosystem of strikers everyone should look at at the moment anybody else you'd consider let's do a quick top three i think we have had a lot of questions about it i think uh, bakar you go first your top three strikers in order of preference um i would probably go with cavaluan antonio watkins hmm. lr uh calvert lewin first uh and then i'd say pick one of antonio watkins i have them equally pegged uh in the team as a striker if people have a double villa defense then i'd say rather go for greerish so antonio would switch to number 2 and kane for me at number 3 mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of budget midfielders in play at the moment invest your money in kane he's reliable right so yeah for me i, th- I think antonio is top for all of us on the sounds of it pretty much Or did you guys go DCL? Both of us went DCL first. Yeah. For me, it would be Antonio. I still think that because I think it's a form is a big thing, right? West Ham in general are a team in form, and Antonio, how he didn't come away with like you know a bag full of goals in that Palace game, I really don't know. He just in that looked, Palace game, he actually looked really sharp. He looked sharp. I thought he looked good in that Palace game. Right. So I re- and he's on penalties too, right? Most likely, I don't think Noble starts anymore. So Antonio is on penalties as well. So he would actually be right on the top for me. Number two, I would go with Kane. I like Spurs next three fixtures. I think Brighton is a good game. Chelsea, you never know what that game on the Tuchel is going to be like. Mourinho, I think, will fancy it. Kane has a good record against us, and that West Brom game. I had a look at the fixtures that week. I think he's a standout captain pick for that West Brom game as well. Number three is probably where it's close. I would say it's between DCL and Watkins for me. I just like DCL because. Watkins I think he again he's not the talisman of that team. I think the last two games he scored a couple and I don't think he's very bonus point friendly either, right? I think Bakker can probably shed more light on this. The last two problem, games Yeah, yeah, the problem uh, with his bonus points is that every single game he he's missing big chances which is why he doesn't get the bonus. If he doesn't miss big chances, I'm sure he would get more bonus points. But I don't personally mind him missing big chances as long as he's getting He's getting them, but he also has to compete with Grealish for the bonus, right? Cuz Grealish has such yeah. good Numbers really racks up the bonus. The defense racks up the bonus. Yeah, yeah. Things exactly. like that. So I, that's why I would say DCL just over him. Is there a double game we expected for Villa in the next four weeks? No, right? Not for Villa, but I think the only one we know that there might be a double game week in twenty-four for Man City and either City. Everton or Southampton. We don't know for sure yet, and we don't even know whether City will have a double game week. But this is what Ben Crellin is thinking. we should know more in the next few days also for all the permutations and combinations if you are for the blanks and the doubles if you aren't already following ben crellin just change that immediately he's the guy you should be having on notifications uh, if you want to play the fixtures so yeah anything else to add here in terms of forwards nope right let's just move on now quickly now we will be looking at both fixtures for game week 21 and 22 as it's unlikely we will be podding again before game week 22 on monday so if anything does come up we will try to get a short stream for you guys on monday but probably not as things stand so let's just have a quick look at game week 21 the first one is everton newcastle everton win yeah everton win uh, i'm actually looking at if i get dcl in i think he's a really good captaincy shout for the week as well because newcastle haven't Uh, look convincing at all in defense and with DCL he's got that talismanic nature so you know that if Everton are scoring goals DCL is going to be involved so i think it's a good captaincy shout for the week as well yeah i don't disagree uh, i i completely agree with that i i think uh, Cavalier one 
has every chance of going big against Newcastle. Newcastle, I was just uh, reading, are actually second worst for XG considered away from home. Um, so, I mean, everything looks to be in Everton's favour. I think this is the week where they bounce back on everyone's radar. Yeah. It's it's a good week to roll the dice, isn't it? I mean, uh, there's no standout captaincy option. Uh, I mean, the Gundogan owners are going to be looking at maybe captaining him against Sheffield United at home. Cancelo is an option again, yeah. if you fancy that. There's DCL. Then the Leicester mitts, if somebody's feeling punty, both Barnes and uh, Madison are decent captaincy options because anybody against Leeds is good for, uh, for the armband. And then there is uh, the... Spurs game, where they play Brighton away, which we discussed earlier. So, I don't think there's a clear-cut standout mm-hmm. captaincy option. I'm not personally averse to the cap, uh, option of captaining Salah either. I mean, depending on how Liverpool look today, I, I think he could be a decent shout as well uh, next week. It depends if West Ham are above them on the table at the time, right? Depending on how today's course. <laughs> Can you imagine midway through the season, West Ham above the table when <laughs> they play Liverpool? <laughs> Moisey for the win. Should bring him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the Everton Newcastle. I don't. I for some reason I'm a bit not as optimistic on Everton's attacking prospects as you guys. I think they'll win, but I see it maybe like a one or two win. Nil. I don't know. I'm not getting the vibes of Everton scoring a lot personally. Yeah, I think they'll score three in the game. I think Newcastle are there for the taking. Right. Next fixture is Man City versus Sheffield United. Now, I think this is Bruno blanked last week against Sheffield. He blanked in the reverse fixture. And I remember he blanked in the restart as well, right? So, I think Sheffield United have turned out to be Bruno's kryptonite. And in general, I can't remember any team scoring that many goals against them. But I think there are two things over here. City and right now getting back to their old levels in terms of their attack. The attack is firing. And I think there will be an element of tiredness also, right? They played you guys on Wednesday. This game is on Saturday, so I think there will be some fatigue factor. What do you guys think? Yeah, uh, easy, easy win for Manchester City. But I don't think they'll score as many as they scored against West Brom. I think uh, 3-0 for me. Yeah, 3-0 is probably a fair scoreline. Yeah, 2-0 or 3-0 is what I'm thinking. And let's talk about captaincy. Do you guys think, like, you know, let's talk about Gundogan, Foden, Sterling. What do you guys think in terms of captaincy shots? I think any of the three of them are a good captaincy option. What about Even versus Cancelo? Cancelo? Yeah, let's talk about, let's say, an attacker. Let's talk about Gundogan versus Cancelo. What do you guys think? I still still prefer uh, Gundogan as a captaincy option for me. I because do. I think he has a greater potential of a more explosive haul. I'm in the market always for a goal, two goals. You can argue that actually a City player starts with a return as well because the chances of him getting a clean sheet are very, very high. So he needs to get just one uh, goal or assist to hit a double-digit return. But I just feel more confident about captaining a Gundogan or even a Foden or even a Sterling. I agree. Bakker? Yeah, I think I, I agree with that. Um, personally, I I noticed that Sheffield United's defensive numbers have improved. So I don't think that City are going to completely annihilate them like they did with West Brom. I think it's going to be like 3-0. Um, I, I would personally prefer Gundogan, but I am not exactly averse to the idea of captaining Cancelo either because I think he he does have that ceiling. Um, It won't take much for him to assist. Um, He's he's practically playing in midfield. His numbers are good. So it's something that I'll consider more closer to the deadline. But uh, I think I'll be captaining uh, one of either Gundogan or uh, Cancelo this week. If I own Sterling, he would definitely have been my captain. I think he's, he's the standout this week. 
Mm. I think, don't think necessarily Sterling is that much better than Gundo. Maybe I think there's two things. A, the price tag and B, like, you know, the past. We've seen Gundo not post these numbers in the past. I think we must wake up to what Gundogan is now. He's essentially like, you know, if you put him in like, you know, a, a David Silva who plays every week. He's essentially a nine and a half, ten million midfielder. So we need to calibrate our thinking a little bit on that. So my problem with captaining Cancelo is like, you know, a freak incident could always happen, right? Maybe Sheffield get one corner, they score from that. I would still say City are not that good at defending set pieces. You could have a freak own goal. There are a lot of things that could go wrong with captaining a defender, right? I mean, Cancelo's goal also, the last game, it was a bit fortunate. The West Brom defence had stopped playing completely. The goalkeeper didn't even attempt. He probably wouldn't have saved it anyway, but he didn't even go for it. So, we shouldn't be like that. He has good numbers. Like, you know, it's still process-oriented thinking, I agree. But maybe there's a bit of result-oriented thinking in there as well. Also, I mean, if, if, if Pep has to rest Cancelo... In the game, I think this is the game he gets his rest. No, I think he has to unlock the Sheffield. He knows Sheffield United are good defence, right? right now. But three games after that, it's off. Burnley away, Liverpool away and Spurs at home. Much tougher fixtures on mm, paper. So, so if, and and the, the replacement isn't somebody who's a nobody, right? You've got Kyle Walker playing in that position instead of him. So, that's the only thing. It's just a 5% worry because the fixtures after that, the three fixtures are tougher. So, I'm not worried about the midfielders because they got... Uh, substituted in the 50th minute but I'm worried about a little bit worried about Cancelo I would be more if KDB was playing but I think now he's pretty much playing the quarterback role the KDB okay. playing okay. the ball so I'm pretty confident Cancelo will start he maybe get hooked early that's more of a concern for me in terms of like you know minutes being managed do you, do you see uh, the centre-backs getting rotated at all boys? not against no. these guys not against the Sheffield United guys especially because you need like you know your physical guys who play yeah, I agree. I don't think they'll get rested. Especially since they won. Because there's a bit of momentum also, right? Sheffield, I think Pep will have that in mind that Sheffield United just won. So, there's a bit of momentum also on their side. Right, let's let's just quickly now, before we move on to the next, we talk about Arsenal Man United. How do we see this game going? Bruno, a captaincy shot? Uh, not for me. Not for me. I think there are better captaincy options out there. And uh, Arsenal haven't looked poor in defence. So, not for me. I, I would probably not go there as well, but um, but I I think Bruno will return in this game personally. Is is the way numbers are always decent. I I would expect a, a reaction from United. I I think United are going to beat Arsenal this week. Um, I'd expect a win two two one probably. I actually expect United to win as well. I agree with you. Yeah. I think Rashford is going to get on the score sheet. Now this is a more Rashford game than a Bruno game. I agree with that assessment. Chelsea, Burnley, just touch upon, I think he'll probably, I don't expect this to be too high scoring. If if Wolves could show up, like, you know, in a smaller bus, Burnley are going to bring the double-decker. So, I don't think there are too many goals in this one. Probably would look there for captaincy. West Ham, Liverpool, again, Salah. We, we need to discuss the... Leicester Leeds. Because Leicester? I think a lot of people are Leicester. looking at the... Let's, let's do that, Leicester. why not? What do you think, Leicester Leeds? I see three goals for Leicester. I I they've been play, playing really good football. Uh, I can see a double-digit hole for one of the two midfielders that everybody's talking about at the moment. So, yeah. Baka? I'd probably go with a 2-1 Leicester win. Yep. 2-1, 3-1, something like that. Because I think Leicester are probably the worst team for Leeds to play, right? They play right into their hands. 
Yep, yep, yep. I think that they are the kind of team who can take advantage. I, I, I shudder to think what Wadi would have done had he been fit. A standard captaincy option this Absolutely. week, I think, if he was fit. Mm. Uh, only one thing, uh, I think NDD got injured in mm. the last game. So I don't know how that affects the team. Just something worth noting. Who usually it's slots in? loss to the team. Who slots in in that position usually? Mendy. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So West Ham, Liverpool. Will Liverpool score? I think a close-fought victory, 2-1 to Liverpool this game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. 2-1 for me as well. I, uh, I do think West Ham will score. The West Ham's uh, attacking numbers ever since Antonio's comeback are, have been great. I know they've played some obliging defences, but but they look you know a far greater threat with, with Antonio and the team. They're actually second for XG over the past three games. Just one thing worth mentioning. And, and Liverpool away from home, their defensive form isn't as great. Um... So I'd expect West Ham to notch, uh, and I, I think Liverpool um, would probably bounce back. I'll, I'm expecting a couple of goals from them. Salah probably will, will do well in this one. I think. Mm, hope so. Brighton Spurs. Bakar, you first. Uh, I'd go with a one-all. Mm, standing by your stats. Yeah. Interesting prediction. Interesting prediction. Zoff, I think two-one Spurs. Yeah, I think I'd go with the. Uh, similar prediction, I think 2 1 to Spurs. I do think Spurs will concede in this mm. game. Just worth mentioning, Reguilon is uh, injured for a fair amount of time as well, so you don't know how that's going to Has that been confirmed? Spurs. I think Mourinho said yesterday there were some injuries, he didn't name them. Has that been confirmed? I don't know. I just read somewhere on Twitter that uh, Reguilon has injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I read the same. Okay. Let's have a quick look at the next week. Next week, in fact, captaincy is a bit trickier. Game week 22. Let's have a look there. Right, we can skip Sheffield United, West Brom, Wolves, Arsenal, United, Southampton. Bruno I, it's captain? a good fixture. I like this fixture for Bruno captaincy. Uh, because uh, we generally do score against Southampton and they aren't in very good defensive form at the moment. So I see us putting two or three goals past them. They're the kind of team we like playing against. So yeah, I like Bruno as a shout for this game. And Southampton feel like they've slumped a little bit, right? Just from watching them against Arsenal, they were. I think they're without, I think now three of, no, I think Bertrand will be back for the next game. But in okay. general, they do look like they've slumped a little bit. Yeah, what, what's happened is that their um, attacking numbers have absolutely, completely collapsed as well over the past seven, eight game weeks. They're, you know, around the bottom for XGI. I've done a more detailed piece on this in my review and, and their numbers are absolutely shocking. Hmm. So, I think Bruno's a decent shout. Burnley, Man City, I don't really feel comfortable captaining a Burn, uh, City player here. I think it's a 1, maybe a 1-0, 2-0. What do you guys think? Similar. Uh, they scored f- 3 or 4 in the reverse. Five. They scored 5, but that was five, without five in the reverse. Nick Pope. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I see a 2-0 victory for Burnley in this game as well. For City. For City. For City, sorry. Always do this. Welcome it's back, Ella. Yeah, <laughs> I I, do, I personally don't think uh, it would be hard for City. I I'd probably go with a three nil. Uh, could even be four. I'd probably go with three nil. Fulham. What happened? Sorry, go ahead. What happened in that Villa game, man? I, I have no idea how Burnley pulled out three goals in such a short period of time. I, I was watching Villa. the game and I was actually tearing my hair out as a as a Watkins owner in the first half. Oh my goodness! So how did they not chance. score a three or four goals in that first half? I don't know. I think absolutely exactly. dominated 
Villa. Even Grealish could have had a couple of assists. Bertrand uh, Traore missed a very good chance. There were a couple of others. Target took a couple of shots at goal. I was very happy watching his attacking <laughs> contribution as well. He's been a yeah, low-key yeah, hero yeah. in these dark times for me. He's, he's performed pretty consistently. Yep. It so, was um, it was a tough watch. It was they just got robbed, honestly. Mm-hmm. Right. So Leeds Everton. I think that this side, this picture actually like more for DCL than the Newcastle game. Yeah, yeah, exactly why, right? I mean, you wouldn't be surprised to see DCL getting two goals in these two games at the very least, given the opposition. So Absolutely I just feel like it seems like a good bet. Villa West Ham is a game I'm actually looking forward to watching. I think these are both two form teams this season who have really been punching above the weight. Who do you think takes it? I'm going to sit on the fence and go 1-1. One, one. Hmm. Bakar? I think Villa, Villa will, will win this um, probably 2-1. Yeah, I agree. I think they're a better team than West Ham at the moment. So, I expect them to win as well. So, Liverpool, Brighton. I think it's a close call between Salah and Bruno, I think, for captaincy this week. They, well, yeah. I don't think I can really split them. Who do you guys like more? You think Salah versus Brighton or Bruno versus Southampton? Salah for me. Okay. Yeah, I I think I'd probably go Salah as well. I um I'm hoping he comes good in the in the coming week so that this so that by the time this this game week comes up we um have a more clearer picture about the captaincy. But for now, I think uh, given the amount of information we have, I I still you know. I'd lean towards Salah, but a bit reluctantly. I also think DCL is as good a captaincy option this week against Leeds as well. I see, I see no problems handing him the armband against Leeds United. Even when the uh, you have your big hitters against, like you know, with two good home fixtures, Leeds United. That's a big hitting fixture <laughs> in my head. <laughs> yeah, play yeah. the fixtures and the other player. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Finally, yeah. Spurs Chelsea. I'm not looking forward to this one. See, it's very difficult to call. I'd like to think maybe a 1-1, nil-nil, something like that. doesn't feel like a very high-scoring game, but uh, I'm worried that Spurs could put us to the sword as well. I'd probably go with the 1-1, personally. I have no idea how to call this fixture because I don't know much about Tuchel. Uh, so, I, I don't exactly. know what to say. Yeah. You don't know. So, I don't think either any will look at Captain C anyway in that fixture. Yeah. No, no way. Right. Anything else to add, gents, before we move on to our teams? We are about an hour in, so we are on schedule. Yeah. All right. No, I think we're good to go. Covered a lot in one hour. I think yep. we've done a good job. LR, your team's up first. All right. I'll take you guys through my complete shit show of a team uh, that's been disappointing me week on week. Uh, in defense, I have Martinez as my keeper. I've got triple, def- triple city defense. I've got the center backs as well as Cancelo. Uh, Cancelo is somebody who I bought in this week. I'm really happy about that. I have Target. Uh, in midfield, I have Salah, Son, Fernandes and Rashford. Uh, stinker of a week because I had Fernandes and Rashford in midfield. Uh, and as my strikers, I have Bamford and Werner. So a bunch of underperforming misfit, misfits is what my team is. I was even remotely considering a, a wild card uh, just after last night's disappointment as well and just thought of fixing everything up. But... Uh, I feel like uh, I don't know who the right standout picks are at the moment and I want to give it some more time, which is why I'm not looking at doing that. Uh, my, my problems in my team are Werner, Rashford and Bamford. Uh, so I'll, I'll look at the pressers, see if uh, Tushil stays anything about Werner at all. 
and uh, if he doesn't probably get calvert lewin in for either of the strikers if if i'm if i'm doing werner straight up then i'll keep rashford for the game week but if i decide to hold werner because i'm far too deep uh, and far too emotionally invested uh, then i'll sell rashford and bamford for uh, dcl and one of the three midfielders i spoke about earlier i think i'd get rid of werner bro yeah you finally saying get rid of werner and i listen yeah, to you on the podcast it's about time i agree with that I mean, if he comes good, I know it's going to feel a bit weird. Like, if you see him suddenly bang a brace when he gets rid. But there's just better options out there that can be relied upon. I think, he, like, the, with the game time risk, is just... And the form, like, you know, it's just not worth it anymore. And, yeah, and I, the price tag. And the price tag. I agree. M- money's not an issue at the moment, right? Because I can get DCL for Werner or Bamford. So, these two are on the chopping blocks. So I need to decide between the two. That's the thing. Because hmm. I'd like to give Rashford at least one more week because I think right after this again you have the Southampton which is also a good fixture, right? Yeah, agree, agree for Rashford. So I don't think you necessarily need to sell and there's need to stop taking hits also back to back every week. Fair, fair. Now we just move on to Buckers team. All right, so uh, I have Martinez in goal, Cancelo, Stones, Robertson, Son, Gundogan captain at the minute, uh, Salah. Fernandez, Antonio, Watkins, and Bamford. Uh, my my subs are Stair, Dyer, Suchek, and Kilman. I have no idea how I have survived an hour without mentioning uh, the big guy. <laughs> but I, I I I I genuinely refuse to talk about him. I won't even be writing about him in this week's review. I I got a text from my a colleague who writes with me, Hamza, and he was saying, why aren't you writing about Suchek? I, I said straight up, no, I'm not writing about him. I it refuse hurts. to write about him. I'm done. My, he's history <laughs> for me. I, I don't want to hear the word anymore. I, like, I'm absolutely done with this guy. So let's not, I'll just pretend as if he doesn't exist. Um, so, yeah. So my moves for this, this week This is the are, most they're... emotional I've seen you, Bakar, when it comes to a player. You generally don't get raffles. This is new for me. Yeah, it's just horrible getting, you know, getting um, getting my calls on him wrong week in week out. So it's better off if I, uh, if I sort of keep my mouth shut. Were, I, were I you considering starting him? Uh, who was uh, the call decision between this week? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was, but I was actually, I was actually convinced that he won't do even do anything. So uh, that brace completely caught me off guard. So I wasn't honestly expecting him. He had like zero shots in the double game week. I don't want to talk about him. Let's not go there. What I I will say, though, is, I mean, you've got a fair amount of respectable finishes and that's been backing the data that you have. So I I see no reason for you to change the way you're playing the game. Back the data and play the way you like playing the game. Thankfully, I I tweeted right after the Suchai game that the only way the balance of the earth could be actually restored is if Cancelo, being the statistical anomaly he is, uh, you know, if he did well, because um, it would, would have been very... Uh, fitting if two extreme uh, statistical anomalies would have had their day and that is exactly what what's happened so that's kind of uh taking me back to sanity but uh, but i was actually going crazy after this check came i was no, uh, i mean that's that's the purpose of this pod right i mean different strokes for different folks all three of us are very diverse fpl managers and all of us have had good seasons and bad seasons i mean it, it's all right just just play the way which is true to your natural style and it's okay don't don't feel too downbeat about it that's all i say Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a good point. But yeah, yeah coming back to my team, I um, 
I could easily save my transfer this week. The alternative is to, to go Bamford to Wilson, uh, sorry, Bamford to Calvert-Lewin, which is something I'm leaning towards. I'm 75-25 towards making that move. How much cash do you transfer. have? I think 5 million. So, so that's why not do Bamford it. to Kane? Uh, I don't want to double up on Spurs personally. I, I, I don't think their next few fixtures will be as high scoring. I have Son and I think that's enough for me. Make I'll, the DCL I'm, move. I, like I might bring Kane in, in uh, uh, for that West Brom fixture, but I don't want him for Brighton and, and Chelsea personally because I think Son is enough. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm looking at Gabriel Lewin instead. If I, all the, uh, I can easily save as well, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I, I want to do it for the upside. It's, I think given that we, I'm wildcarding in like four exactly. weeks' time, I think it's, it's time to have It's the time to take risk. Yeah, yeah, go for it. You're wildcarding in four weeks. I mean, that's all you need to know. Just take the risk. Not, not like Bamford is super expensive and he's, you're not going to be able to buy him back if he hits form again. Do it. Play the fixtures. All right. Let's go through my team. So it's Martinez in goal, Diaz, Cancelo, and Dyer in defense, Salah, Suchek, Fernandez, Gundogan, Captain, Sun, Bamford, Antonio, Maguire, Sufal, and Davis on the bench. A shout out to Keenan Davis. Without him, playing the likes of Suchek every week would not be possible. So we must recognize who the real MVP in the squad is. So. Yeah. Yep. Bakar's just looking down. He's not even looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> I talk about starting Suchek in the team. <laughs> I'm so done. Yeah. He's such a likable guy. I don't own him, but I feel happy every time he scores because he's such a nice guy. It's impossible not to like the guy. Mm. Uh, but but are you guys actually going ahead with Gundekansi? That's something I didn't know about. I think so, because like you said, I've recalibrated my thinking in terms of like, you know, the output he offers. He's top of a shots in the box. I think over the last four to five weeks, he's on penalties. And like you said, he's just in the form of his life. Every time he shoots, he looks like the ball is going to go in the net. Yeah. Will, will that change if Salah braces tonight? No, because Salah's away to West Ham, right? I, I think West Ham are a good team this season. Because right. yeah, I know how loyal you are uh, when it comes to Mo Salah as well. And Son is the other one tempting you? No, my, so my planned transfer this week actually is Bamford to Kane. I'm not as hot on DCL as you, uh, as you guys are. And I think I'm getting these vibes that Kane is probably going to hit form over the next few matches. I'll see how he does tonight. But I've got like, I think some 6 million or something odd in the bank. So Bamford to Kane. I was going to do full confession suit check to Grealish, but I don't think I can part with Mr. Potato Salad now. Fair enough. You've got enough cash in the bank for... Uh... Uh, Davies to TCL uh, no. as well, but you no. don't want to lose out on the MVP. No, no, and I don't want these benching headaches every week. You know, I prefer having a simple set and forget eleven. Fair enough. Makes things simple. Uh, Bakar, are you set on Kundugan captain as well? Uh, no, no, I'm not actually. I'll. Uh, I might even go Salah as I mentioned earlier. It's it's going to be between Kundugan and, and Salah. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I, I don't think I'd, I'd go this on route as well. Yeah, in terms of captaincy, I don't necessarily trust Spurs as much. But it'll probably be between those two guys. Let's see how Salah looks tonight. Yep, yep. All right, moving on to the question and answers. Uh, we start with them. First one is from Dom. What to do with Zuma? If sell, then any good replacement options other than the City defenders? Yes. 
take a punt on Dean. Really like that yes. out of position option. I think he's going to get you some points. So that's somebody I'd recommend. Uh, Zoff, should he hold on to Zuma at all or get rid? I think get rid. It's too uh, too much uncertainty there. All right. Next question is from FPL SMR. Uh, it's for Zoff. Given that most of us keep benching Susek and now with the added luxury, sorry, Bakar, of pounds in the bank, should we just off- offload him for someone more expensive in the 7 to 9 million bracket? I have a lot of sympathy for Suchek benchers, right? On a normal season. It's rubbish. I don't Except believe him. that for a Except second. <laughs> Except, <laughs> Except Bakar, right? Bakar said, oh, he only has threat from set pieces. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I have a lot of sympathy for Suchek Benchers except my friend Bakar. So we must remember that we are still in COVID season, right? And he's still a good pick in case of some postponement, a player goes missing, etc. So we just need to like, you know, just selling him because you hate seeing points on your bench. It doesn't make sense. You know, <laughs> it's good to have a strong bench. So it's like, you know, if you see a good pick you want, then you sell him. But just because the reason I'm sick of seeing points on my bench, selling him is, <laughs> doesn't make sense. Yeah. Funny how psychology works, right? I mean, I don't feel the pain because I don't own him, but people who bench him, like, it's funny how he had, a, he had a deeper oh. average position than even Declan Rice for two consecutive game weeks. For fuck's sake. <laughs> no, I just remember a shout out to uh, FPL Irons. He said, as long as David Moyes is managing the club, Suchek is a good option. That does make sense. Uh, next question is from Krish Amesur. Who are the whipping boys right now? Which teams to target for clean sheets as well as attacking returns? Any thoughts, boys? I think it's pretty obvious. West Brom, Newcastle, Leeds United, uh, mm. Fulham now in poor defensive form as well. But even Southampton to an extent. Southampton, Fulham, I wouldn't put them in that bracket now actually purely yeah. because their goalkeeper is so good, right? The chances they aren't conceding aren't like that quality chances. But West Brom, I think by far on another planet in terms of being whipping boys. Newcastle as well. Leeds, depending if like you know your players are from like a big team, I think Leeds are slumping a little bit. And and teams to target for clean sheets, in my opinion, are um, Southampton, Palace, Newcastle, West Brom, Sheffield, Sheffield United as well. Uh, to an extent. To yeah, an extent, yeah, well. to an extent. Yeah. yeah. What a terrible performance it was, by the way. We looked so sloppy, so tired. I mean, it's a hangover, right, one... from the Liverpool game. And we missed Luke Shaw. Uh, I think Tellers was half the player that Shaw was. Shaw has become very crucial in terms of ball progression uh, mm. for United at the moment as well. So, no excuses though. I think all our attackers were below par. Uh, invisible. Bruno was invisible. Rashford and Marshall had terrible games. So, no, 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 no sort defending. It's of a game where a crowd would have made a difference, I mm. think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of mind-boggling things need to happen in the second half of the season for City to not win the title, in mm. my opinion. Hmm. All right, next question is from FPL Tinker. It's for you, Zoff. How do you make 50-50 benching decisions and what is the best way to get these decisions correct? Right, so I'm very bad at this myself, right? But I believe in a process-oriented way of thinking rather than a result-oriented way. Like, for example, I always play an attacker over a defender when in doubt. When choosing defenders, I go with Bookie's odds. If Bookie's odds are similar, I go with the more attacking one. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, right? The important thing is to trust the process and not look back with hindsight. Oh, I should have done this, I should have done that. You have to remember that these things are 50-50 calls for a reason. They are basically a coin toss. Sometimes you call it head, sometimes you get it tails. If you get it wrong, you can't beat beat yourself up unless you're a bucker. All right, 
next question is from ami i think we should skip this just for bucker's sake but anyway it's from ami manda too can you please order the budget mids saka gundo rafinha suchek lukman bucker you want to go first <laughs> no, I, i'm skipping this question <laughs> all right so far i think gundogan you have to put in another bracket altogether right he's not a five and a half million midfielder so let's forget him like you know it's unfair to even put him in the comparison with these guys he's on another so player. he's number one i mean just looking by at price, far yeah. i think like you know yeah. you can't really compare he's not a budget mid anymore like you know how mardes was a budget mid in that leicester season it's just a pricing that they've got wrong so i think yeah. from the other guys it's actually quite close I think Saka and Suchek I would put right up there. The only thing with Suchek is I don't like the next few fixtures. The next couple of games are against Liverpool and Villa, who I think are decent defenses. I don't think he'll be getting forward as much at all. So those two fixtures kind of worry me. Lukman, I don't think Fulham are scoring enough. Wouldn't put him in the bracket. So I think Saka, Rafinha, Suchek, Lukman is probably what I'd say. Fulham have West Brom. Next, though, so that that could yeah, fixtures are good, play. but again, I don't know. This is not a team that, like, you know, I think it was a recent interview from Parker yeah. also where he's focusing on like making them more solid at the back. I think they're better picks. I agree. I agree with that order as well. Gundogan for me, number one, then Saka, then Suchek, no, then Rafinha, then Suchek, and then Lukman for me. No, no disrespect, but that's my that's my process, right? In terms of, I just like picking the more fair attacking pick. I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, next question is from Aman Av underscore Guno. Uh, with Bigger's frequently failing, is it worth looking for risky captain picks every week like Cancelo, Grealish, Antonio, etc. Whether leading or chasing? No, I I don't think so personally because you'd notice that uh, the premium options deliver more often than not uh, going from experience. Um, yes, it's always fun when when punts like uh, Cancelo captain this week, for example, they come off. But overall, I I don't think um, it's it's a strategy which is sustainable over the long run because I think it's um, it's it's probably likely to lose you more points than gain gain. There's a reason we trust the big teams, right? We trust the big hitters yeah. because we trust those teams to be more consistent. So again, it's not it's, this is a question that reeks of like you no know, result oriented thinking. Yeah. No, I mean it's something I always do when it comes to picking risky captains because. That that's that's how I have had my good season, so I'm not completely against it. But uh, I, when I've also switched and moved for a captaincy option, is generally another big hitter. Precisely that's flying under the radar as well. Like so if Salah, to... if Salah's a popular one, you've gone for Sterling. If Bruno's yeah. a popular one, you've gone for Martial. Things exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah, I, I go for it. Go for a captaincy pick from the attacking options. That said. Uh, you know, I'm on one suggestion that I always like making when you're planning to do something like this, and it's a good play, especially if you're chasing. Is if you're looking to captain a different player, make sure that you're insured. Make sure that you're at least owning the player who's going to have a 150% plus effective ownership in that game week. So that way, you're covering uh, a massive loss at least. And so, if it works out, you're gaining massive ground, and if it doesn't work, you're not losing too much ground. So just make sure you're insured. That's, that's just something I'd like to add. Mm. Well, this is a good strategy usually. Yeah. Uh, next question uh, is for both of you. Wildcard. Now that we have a good idea about the upcoming double team weeks, he's looking at Triple City, Dean, DCL, Son, Kane, Antonio. Might be worth getting a head start. What do you reckon, guys? Well, I think it depends largely on his team, right? How which players exactly. he has doesn't have is very hard to answer. Otherwise, but the template in general is quite strong right now. 
in terms of the players. I don't think there's much room to differentiate from the template, maybe from two or three players. And we don't know exactly the double game week matchups yet. There still could be upsets in the FA Cup. So I would hold yeah. on a little bit. I, I yeah. agree. I, I mean, most of these players, tri um, Triple City, Antonio, Son, Kane, I mean, the likes of these players, I'm, I'm assuming they'd be owned significantly by the majority of uh, FL managers anyway. So I, I, it, it, it again depends on your team. But if you own even 50% of these players, I, I, I'd rather take hits rather than wildcard. Yeah. And things change very fast. I mean, if you wait for the right time, things change very fast in the footballing world. I mean, not long ago, people were talking about sitting, not being able to score, and they were 12 or 13 points behind the number one team in the league. And now they're sitting comfortably on top. So things change very fast. So just, just be patient for the right moment. Uh, next question is for you, Zoff. Werner, stick or twist? Should we wait for just one last game week to see what uh, Tuchel does? Apart from the Spurs match, they've got some easy fixtures in the coming weeks. I think we've covered it earlier, Self. There's just so, better picks right now. More reliable, more consistent picks. Yeah. Revisit once so, he starts firing again. If if uh, What if Tuchel says that, uh, yeah, he's looking to start Werner this game week or something of that sort, which is a positive indication? A, it seems very unlikely that he would say that. But B, even then, like, you know, I think there are better picks out there. Okay. Fair. Fair. Next question uh, is from friend of the pod, Perlos Penn. Are Gundogan's points sustainable? Have non-owners missed the port? Uh, no, I, I don't own Gundogan. And I don't think you've missed the port. I think his returns are very much sustainable. A, he costs 6 million odd. And two, he's top for shots in the box amongst all midfielders in the four or six game weeks. So if you're like Bakker paying and swearing by the underlings and he looks in the form of his life, yeah, it, it's, it's sustainable. He reminds me a lot of Yaya Toure uh, when he first came onto the scene as an FPL pick and how so many of us uh, missed the port. He's exactly in that mode, late run into the box, Ramsey, Yaya Toure mode. Ramsey, where, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's just that kind of a player. So And he's got an eye for goal at the moment. So... If you if you uh, if you own Triple City like me, I wouldn't spend a transfer getting rid of a City defender and then getting Gundogan uh, in that place. But uh, uh, if you don't have Triple City, Gundogan is somebody you can go for. Agree. Next question for both of you guys. I think we already discussed this. Is Gundogan a captaincy option? How viable is captaining him against Sheffield United? I think the only thing that worries me slightly is Sheffield United don't concede too many. I think they've conceded only more than two goals, maybe once or twice this season. But Gundogan's stats are immense. City are getting back to the top levels. He's on penalties. He's nailed to start. I think he's a very viable captain option. All right. Next question is from Hitesh. He's asking you, Zoff, if Rudiger is nailed under Tukul. It's a good option at 4.5. Can't say based on one game. He likes to tinker. It's too early to say. Yeah. All right. I already answered this question, but I'll just throw these questions to both of you all as well. Uh, this question is from FPL underscore double A double three. Uh, is it worth using two free transfers to ditch one of the city defenders and get Kundigan in? No, I, I don't think, think so. so. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, all the defenders are good picks in their own. I mean, it was one game week ago that John Stone scored a brace and Cancelo scored a, a goal in a had given assist this week as well. So, all three are good picks in their own right. So, don't, don't, don't but mess about with that. That being said, right, I do think like you can replace, like if you have free transfers and you have so much money doing maybe like, you know, a Stones or a Diaz to a Dean and some yeah. maybe like, you know, somebody in midfield to a Gundogan. If you have two free transfers, it's not a bad move. 
That's a good shot. That's a really good shot, especially if you're getting Dean in. I like that. I like that. Good thinking. Uh, next question is from Lonesome Pandit. What one player would you like to become viable who is hardly owned? I guess the logical pick might be Aguero, but thinking about some out-of-the-box differentials and some rules for you guys, we can't talk about ECL or the Leicester minutes. I've got, I've got four players in mind. Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, Hakim Ziyech and Christian Pulisic. <laughs> Who, who do you think is the most likely to become? Just let's put you on the spot. Who do you think is the most likely to become a good pick from Chelsea? Havertz. Havertz, Havertz. yeah. I yeah, was I, say. it was encouraging that one performance uh, from him. Uh, so, yeah. Anybody else, uh, Bakker, that you fancy who might become a good pick? Uh, I, I'd like to see Ings become a pick again. Uh, I, I'd like to see I'd like to see Southampton pick up some form, which hasn't really been the case. Um, other than that, no, no one as such. I think um, I think we've spoken about almost all of the differentials. Now, one thing, I mean, the one pick that who's had a very quiet season and I'm hoping explodes, I think Sadio Mane, uh, mm-hmm. compared to his own standards, he's had a very quiet season as well. So, you know, if Liverpool do hit gear and they're again, uh, you know, that depends a lot on Trent's form as well. And if he's putting crosses on Mane's uh, head again as well, I think... Trent and Mane are two players who could explode in the second half of the season because the caliber is there. Hmm. So these are the two I fancy. Uh, last question for all of us uh, is from Desperately Seeking Dusan. It's a good question. How do you counter price myopia? For example, in my league, Suchek is benched by so many, but Robertson was started. Yet logically, Suchek was surely a better pick uh, given Robo is away to Spurs, but most wouldn't bench because he's 7.4 and Suchek is 5.3. Zof, would you have benched Robbo for Suchek? No, I would have played Robbo, honestly. Because, again, this is like a bit of result-oriented thinking, right? But yeah. it's not as easy to say because, like, you know, a lot of it, if you look into this season, I don't think the Liverpool defence has been great. But there's obviously going to be some pedigree you attach to Robertson, right? I think the variance was very extreme for Suchek benchers exactly. this week, ex- except for Bakker. Yeah. And when it comes to price, right? You, you've seen... Uh... Utkarsh and Bakar, you're sitting on this spot very strongly considering Gundogan as a captaincy option this week as well. So it's just like it's it definitely requires a little bit of recalibration in the sense you need to consistently, constantly tell yourself that no, his stats are good, his stats are good. Don't and look at the You've seen it in previous seasons also, right? Like you mentioned the likes of Ramsey, the likes of Yaya Toure, the likes of Mahrez yeah. and Vardy. I think when Leicester won the league, I didn't captain Mahrez even once. Probably why, just because like, you know, it was a price matter. Yeah, yeah. In that season, I didn't own Mahrez for the first 15 game weeks of that season. I remember it. All right. Uh, I think that's it from us this uh, game week. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you, boys. And don't forget to hit the like and subscribe. Oh, we forgot to mention. And thank you so much for uh, getting us to the 10,000 10K subscriber point. We're, we weren't expecting at all to reach this number so quickly. So we're very grateful and happy with the support that you guys have given us and uh, we'll see you next week probably same time next week if there is some news that emerges at the weekend you'll probably see us on monday see you take care thank you take care guys sports social podcast network hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.